All right. Let's pray for a moment. Somebody's being cared for by uh, very capable medical professionals over here. So let's, let's pray together. Father, we ask your, uh, your presence be over here, that you give guidance and restoration even. Uh, Lord, we're ready to do anything you call us to do. But our concern is for, uh, for this member of our family. Uh, that you'd be with them. That you'd comfort. That you would uh, give wisdom and insight to those taking care of them. And Father, we entrust all this to you. And as we seek to, uh, to meet with you today in your word, it's not because we're ignoring them. Because, Father, if there's anything that we can do, we're glad to do it. But in the meantime, we'll just continue to seek you and uh, to welcome your presence in our midst. We lift all these things up to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So we'll just, we'll let them handle things. And in the meantime, while they're doing that, we'll still continue uh, to do some Bible study. And anything we need to know, I'm sure we'll know. Um, and uh, so, let's just look into things today. Here we go. I thought this was an interesting picture. Um, there's a, a, one of the scriptures that was read in the gospel today was uh, John 17:11 which said that Jesus is saying, Now I'm departing from the world. But they, his disciples, are staying in the world. But Jesus says, But I, I'm coming to you. And he's talking to his father. He's praying a prayer. Uh, a few days ago, on Thursday, Thursday was actually on the church calendar, Ascension Day. And Ascension Day is... Uh, is the day that the church remembers that Jesus was, was taken up from the earth into heaven about 40 days after his resurrection. And we know that, that it happened. I like this picture too. I thought that was just really interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's done so well. It, but but the pictures on the faces of the, you know, the disciples and how they're looking, and some of them are, are upset, and some of them are looking at Anyway, I just thought that was a real interesting little picture. But this is something that really happened. Uh, we know it happened from a little place on the Mount of Olives called Bethany. Bethany was where Lazarus lived, and Mary and Martha lived, and uh, Simon the leper, you may have heard about, he lived there. 
40 days after Jesus' resurrection, he's been hanging out with them and gathers, they go up to the Mount of Olives and, and he, he just rises up, gets hidden by a cloud, and, and they're looking for him. And then we're told that two men dressed in white, we can only assume that they were angels, uh, they, they come and, and they say, men of Galilee, why are you staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he'll return from heaven in just the way you saw him go. And so they're wondering when that's going to happen. And, and we've been wondering for nearly 2,000 years, when is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? And, and I don't know about you, but wondering, what is Jesus doing up there? What's going on, right? He said he'd send the Holy Spirit. We're going to celebrate that next Sunday at Pentecost. But what's going on? Well, our collect of the day today, the thing that we prayed, it, it refers to this very thing. Uh, it, it says about halfway down, exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before. You know, so that's a reference to, to somehow he, he went into heaven. In a few minutes, we're going to say the Nicene Creed together. We'll affirm our faith. And it says this, uh, on third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So somehow we get the idea where we'll look at those scriptures. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. So we affirm this every Sunday. But what is he doing up there? Hebrews gives a little bit of insight. Hebrews ten twelve says, Our high priest, and they're referring to Jesus, Our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. When did he do that? The cross. Okay. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. So that's where it is. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and, and made a footstool under his feet. So he's waiting? That's what he's doing? Waiting? Well, actually, Scripture tells us a little bit more than, than Hebrews said. The first thing to, to know is Jesus is somehow, even though he's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, somehow he's still present with us through the Holy Spirit to shape our lives. To shape our character. Alright, where do we get that idea? Romans 8, 9 and 10. Paul's writing, and he says, Hey, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, so if really, if, if you're a Christian, if you've been marked by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, if He is truly present in you, you know, you're, you're not living according to, to those things that your body wants, but what the Spirit wants. Anyone who doesn't have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to Him. And then he uses this phrase, basically is the, uh, an equal phrase, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So to Paul, it means basically the same thing. If the, if the Holy Spirit is in you, then Christ is in you. The Messiah is in you. And somehow, He is making your life more righteous. 
He is present in and with you. He's not just sitting and waiting up in heaven. So how does he do that, right? What's up? Well, the second thing to know is while he's up in heaven, he's interceding for us to know him better and become more like him. Hebrews 7 says, Because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever, therefore he's able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. So, so Jesus is up in heaven interceding for us. Now I used to have the idea that that meant that Jesus is doing things like Saying, oh God, no, 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 don't be mad at them. Because I died for them. So, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of playing defense and putting myself between you and them, God. But I don't think that that's really what is shown in, in the kinds of prayers that Jesus prayed and, and what we know about him. While there may be some truth in that, I don't think that's really what it was talking about. I think that God and Jesus are actually on the same page. That they're actually thinking alike. And that it's not that God is thinking one thing of, I want to smite them. And Jesus is saying, oh no, you smote me. You know, I think that they're on the same page. Look at how he prayed for Peter, for Simon. All right, He said, Simon, in Luke 22. Simon, Satan asked to sift each of you like wheat. Satan wants to thrash you. Satan wants to beat you. He wants to, to, to destroy what you look like. But I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not fail. I think that's the kind of prayer that Jesus is praying for us. That when he's interceding for us, it's, it's not a matter of him in opposition to God, but working with God on our behalf. Just like he prayed for Peter. Satan wants to do awful things to you, Peter, but I've been praying for you that, that you'll be able to keep going. That your faith will be intact. And when you've repented, when you've gotten through it, and turn to me again, then I want you to go and strengthen your brothers because they're going through it too. That's the kind of prayer that Jesus prays. That's the kind of thing that when Jesus is looking at you and me and seeing what we're going through, even what's going on right now, that he is praying for us and interceding for us on our behalf. Okay? He's not pleading to an ill-tempered but holy father to have mercy. On the contrary, he's the very expression of the father's attitude towards us. Amen? He's also our advocate when we sin. This comes out of the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible is kind of cool if you've never read it. It puts a lot of things in parentheses. To help bring out the meaning of the words instead of just trying to find the one word that translates it. It says, well, that doesn't work too well. There's, there's a lot of other things to bring out. So look at the things in parentheses on this. So John, 1 John 2, 1 and 2, 
John is writing a letter and, and, and trying to explain this. He says, my little children, I write you these things so that you may not violate God's law and sin. He says, first of all, I'm writing this letter to you guys because I don't want you to do the stuff you shouldn't do. But if anybody should sin, we have an advocate. An advocate is one who will intercede for us with the Father. All right, so he's talking about Jesus here, right? It is Jesus Christ. He's our advocate. And he is the all-righteous, the upright, the just, the one who conforms to the Father's will in every purpose, thought, and action. That's who Jesus is. And he, that same Jesus, is the propitiation, propitiation, how many was that? Propitiation. Five. Who, what does that mean? So put it in parentheses. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not for ours alone, but also for the sins of the whole world. In other words, when we do turn away from God, Jesus is praying for us. And that is according to the Father's will. It's not that the Father gets mad and wants to smite. And Jesus says, no, please. It's that it's God's will that, that His Son pray for us that we come back and turn back to Him. He's praying for us because of His sacrifice. That even though we sin, we'll, we'll still have the perfect righteousness of Christ. And that none of these things will shipwreck our faith. Another thing that Jesus is doing up in heaven, he's preparing a place for us to enjoy and to be with him. Now, you're, you're probably familiar with this verse if you've been to funerals. John 14, 1 and 2. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Some translations say mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going back to be with my Father. A lot of rooms there. And I'm going to, to make a place for you. Well, I believe that, that John also told us a little bit about what that will look like in Revelation. That's when, that's when God showed him about the things that were going to happen. So Revelation 21, verses 2, and then it goes on. Uh, 11 to 17, I just pulled out some things that describe this. John says that, you know, in some of the things that he saw, he said, I saw the holy city. I saw the new Jerusalem. It's, it's, it's coming down from God out of heaven. And it's so beautiful and it's so well put together. It's like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. In this city, it shone with the glory of God and it sparkled like a precious stone. And people have tried to paint that. And what does that look like? You know, so a city, and this is a golden city coming down out of the clouds. Is that what it looks like? I don't know. Here's another one. You know, the city coming down from heaven towards earth. Right? So you see that shining like a, like a beautiful stone. And, and, but he goes on, he says, the, he describes it. The city wall, because all, all cities had walls at that time, Right? So the city wall was broad and high. Had twelve gates guarded by twelve angels. 
and it had four sides. There are three gates on each side. The, the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city and its gates and its walls. Let me tell you what I found out when he measured it. When he measured it, he found it was a square. It's as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and its width and its height were each 1,400 miles. It's kind of big, isn't it? Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick. That's like that's a pretty stout wall. That's a pretty big deal. Now, 1,400 miles. Think about how far that is. Well, I kind of I got out a map and started kind of looking at it just to get an idea. So, if we if we went west 1,400 miles from Jacksonville, well, we go outside of Duval and we go through Tallahassee and we're still riding next to the wall, and then we get out of Florida. And we're still riding next to the wall. And go through Alabama and Mississippi. And it's still going. And, and through Louisiana. We pass New Orleans. And we get into Texas. And, and we go past San Antonio. And there's this little town on the other side of San Antonio. Well, it's not tiny, but it's called Fort Stockton. Fort Stockton is about 1,400 miles from here. That's one side of the city wall. How many people can live in that? Right? And then if we went north from here, 1,400 miles, from Jacksonville. All right, we, we, we pass the Carolinas, and we go through Ohio, and we go through Michigan into Canada. All right, and that's, that's two sides. Imagine that square being completed. What does that look like? Okay, well, it looks kind of like that. And, and it says the city's as tall as it is, wide and deep. And this is the size of a city that's coming down from heaven one day. Where people will dwell with God. Isn't that interesting? That takes a lot of building. Think about what it would take to, to build houses and streets and parks and and all, all the stuff that you find in a city. Good thing Jesus was a carpenter, huh? <laughs> but that takes a while. That takes a while. doesn't come down over, over the Great Plains states. It's going to come down over the Middle East. But, but that takes a while. And evidently, he's working on something like that. But Jesus is busy in heaven. Somehow he's present with us through the Holy Spirit to shape our lives, to shape our characters, to form us into his people. He also intercedes for us to know him better and become more like him. And he's preparing a place for us to enjoy. And it's been keeping him busy for a long time now. We'll continue to. So what's our response? Our response... It's to trust Him, to say yes to Him, to let Him mold us into, into His people. If you've never received Him, I encourage you, receive Him. Say yes to Him, that He'd be at work in you.
Know that every time that you're going through a trial, you're being prayed for. You might be prayed for by people in your family here, but you're being prayed for also by the Son of God who lives to intercede for you while he's preparing a place for us to live and enjoy. But I encourage you, receive him. Say yes to him. Say yes to him and trust him. Amen. Let's stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.